Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Sim Racing in Focus podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about sim racing as the name suggests and we are up to episode number six. So if you've been with us since the start, thanks very much for continued support along the way. If you're new here, hopefully you'll stick around and like and subscribe and do all that good stuff. I'm your host, Dean Reddit. I am the owner and editor at a small startup website known as simracinginfocus.blog where we produce blog style articles on sim racing and also this podcast on today's episode we will be chasing up with the missed race results from last week from our east coast v8 supercar series v8 veterans logitech g series and another round of the porsche tag here esports super cup We've got quite a lot of results to get through tonight, so we'll leave the news topics alone, and then we'll head straight into an interview with Scott Rankin, who's one of Australia's leading commentators for a lot of iRacing leagues, and I'm sure a voice most people would know all too well. We will get a chat in with him about how he got started and how he's managed to carve a road through commentary uh, that's led all the way up into real-world racing events. So all that and probably a little bit more on today's show is iRacing week number 11. Let's go. Okay, to kick things off on our race results segment of the show tonight, we're going to be taking a look at East Coast V8s, who we've got two rounds to pick up. Round six at Hockenheim. Once again, it was James Scott and Dylan Rudd of Lobs Esport uh, coming in first and second on qualifying and followed up by Jordan Ross of Synergy Sim Racing in third. Um, the race would basically follow suit. Um, as much of the season has done with, with East Coast, uh, James Scott continued to dominate the race from Dylan Rudd and, and uh, Jordan again coming home in third. So they'd finish as they started. Um, the, 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 race, the race within the race is all about who's going to secure the golden ticket in East Coast. Um, for a long time now, it has been... Sean McNamara and Jacob O'Reilly, who have held, held down those spots. Um, they've managed to do so despite still being under um, you know, constant threat from those behind. So it's not been a, a, a lopsided um, result in regards to the automatic qualifications through to Logitech G. It's been a good fight, but the boys have managed to hold it down there for the majority of the season. So that was Hockenheim. It, Hockenheim is just an interesting circuit, but not really for the V8 supercar. Um, very difficult to pass apart from into the massive hairpin, where which always throws up plenty of car contact, but uh, the remainder of the lap can be quite difficult there. So not going to cover that one in great detail. The round number seven for East Coast V8s uh, went to Bathurst. So uh, once again... It was James Scott and Dylan Rudd won too, uh, but it was Robert Gibbs from Evolution Racing Team who managed to get into the third place there. 
So the race would produce a similar finish as well with James Scott, Dylan Ryder, Robert Gibbs also coming home in the podium. So once again, this has just been complete and utter dominance from James Scott. Uh, Dylan Rudd has had to settle for second, but you know, the margin of victory was a lot smaller in this race. So Ruddy obviously uh, a lot closer to James at, at Bathurst there. So the track played his advantages. Robert was probably the surprise packet on the, on the day and, and he was had really strong pace. Um, managing to keep up with the front two for the majority of the race. Um, once again, the main battle from this one was really from who was going to come in in fourth spot. Um, it, it had Sean McNamara, uh, Adam Briggs from Synergy Sim Racing, Thomas Freeman, Tom Freer. There was a blanket thrown over those four cars for the majority of the race, and you never really knew until the end. I mean, I think Briggs did, uh, McNamara did a fantastic job of holding four for the majority of the last stanza, but I think Briggs picked him at the line. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Sean is still sitting in P3 at the championship and holding down that all-important automatic exemption into the Logitech series. So uh, he's also still joined by Jacob O'Reilly, who's in fourth place in the championship. But obviously the championship standings um, sees James Scott at the top. He's got a 51-point margin over his teammate Dylan Rudd in second. Uh, and then it's a further 46 points back to Sean McNamara in third and another 34 points back to Jacob O'Reilly in fourth. Connor Nixon rounds out the top five in the championship. Uh, a further 40 points behind. So the series is still technically alive heading into round eight, which will, will be the final round of the series. But James Scott is has got a, a large mathematical advantage. And, and, you know, considering he has qualified on pole seven rounds and won seven rounds, he would certainly back him in for the championship. That series comes to a conclusion. Um this week yeah. we'll certainly get on board with those final results to announce who's made the, the field for the Logitech series you don't like saying it but it really just been a, a one-sided series there but, but other than that the, other than the two standouts which has been James and Dylan the rest of the field has been ultra competitive and, and certainly been the focal point for the broadcasters at least so good strong quality in amongst the mid pack there, and we'll see one. We'll, no, we'll see two of them emerge for the automatic qualification spots. We'll move on now to V8 veterans, and this one has been the polar opposite to East Coast, where this has been a heavily contested championship. We've also got two rounds to catch up with from the V8 veterans. Uh, first of all, round nine went to uh, Mid Ohio for 56 laps so interesting circuit mid ohio one of those technical curvy ones um difficult for overtaking but generally a good fun one in the i find in the uh in the supercar from qualifying it was ken ladder of fishy motorsports again securing pole position 
Michael Talianchich would be in second from Altus Australia. And John Latham rounded out the third spot on the grid. There was plenty of chaos early in this one with the start grid assembled through the the, the final uh, chicane. It's been, and, and naturally, as this one got underway, there was there was cars in the fence before they even reached the start-finish line. So, uh, early safety car brought out a lap one safety car. So, a couple of, a couple of early retirements. Uh, Ken Ladder then on on the uh, race resumption had a, a control of the race for the majority. Uh, that was sort of helped by uh, a little pit spin by Taliancic, who just gave Ken a little bit more of a gap as the race sort of went on. Uh, it was really all down to the battle for the third position between uh, Darren Lobb, David Nash, and John Latham. But it would be Ken Ladder who took the race win over Michael Taliancic and Darren Lobb getting up to finish in third. So once again, three names that have featured pretty prominent, uh, prominently on the podium for V8 veterans. The final round. So round 10 would be the deciding round for the Veterans uh, Championship. And it went to Mugello. Crucially coming into this round, it was a slender lead at the top of the championship for Michael Taliancic, who just had a couple of points over uh, Kenneth Ladder, uh, with only one automatic exemption being handed out. Um... It was really going to come down to the last race and what's been a pretty epic back and forth between the two drivers all season. Um, crucially for Ken Ladder, he secured pole position and, and with that, a bonus point. I believe it was a, a two or three point championship lead heading in. So the, the bonus point there to start the race off was crucial. Um, he... Uh, was then followed by Matt Vandercran uh, and Scott Gamble in second and third. The other big news would be that uh, series leader, Michael Talianjic, would start down in P19. So it was all to do for Michael heading into the race with a big deficit, at least on the starting grid. As the race progressed, Kenneth Ladder dropped back a couple of spots in the opening laps. Um, found himself running back in third and fourth. Uh, he was trying, at least on surface, looking like trying to keep the car clean because there was more bonus points on offer for a clean race. So um, had the one lap quality pace, but it just didn't look like he had it for the race. And the race was a back and forth in the end between Darren Lobb and Scott Gamble. Um, and it would end up going to Darren Lobb after a few safety cars and a bit of pit strategy got him uh, in front of Scott later in the race after Scott had managed to get to the lead. But as the race started to wind towards its crescendo, I, I believe Kenneth Ladder come home in fourth place. Um, he needed to finish two spots in front of Taliancic and get a clean race bonus to secure the championship. And with two laps to go, uh, Kenneth was in fourth. Michael Taliancic was in seventh at the time, so the championship sat with Kenneth. Um, and then there was just an epic, epic battle, two-car battle between Michael Taliancic um, and Ricky Hyde. 
which is some of the best coverage I think I've seen, um, geez, in a long time. If there's two laps you need to watch from season one of 2024, it's definitely the final two laps of the final race of the V8 veterans. It was just high stake stuff and two cars swapping positions side by side. Um, Michael got the move done on Ricky with one lap to go, but then Ricky just um, really come back at him for the entirety of the final lap. Um, Michael would hold on by two tenths to claim six spot. And then the wait was sort of on to find out whether Kenneth had been able to produce a clean race at that stage. So the, the solitary point gained from the clean rat. Uh, the clean race bonus would have handed the position, uh, sorry, handed the championship to Kenneth. Um, otherwise, on a dead heat, Michael Taliancic, uh would win on a count back. And to think after 10 rounds of racing that we would have such an epic conclusion um, and the call to go along with it, um, you definitely got to check it out. Fantastic stuff. Uh, ultimately, I believe it come down to an incident point accrued after the checkered flag had dropped that cost uh, Kenneth Ladder the clean race bonus. I'm not 100 percent sure, but that's just if he, he got one X for the race. So just incredibly, incredibly tight and unlucky um, in some regards that he misses out. Um, on the championship first and foremost, but then also the automatic exemption through to Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. However, Michael Taliancic goes back-to-back -back championships uh, in the V8 Veterans. Uh, just a just a really, really, really good series to follow this season, and uh, you know, a lot of good, uh, a lot of high-quality drivers. Big, big turnouts every week. The guys are just killing it over there in terms of producing a good product. And um, certainly all the drivers seem to be lapping it up. So credit to everyone in the series. Um, yeah, congratulations once again to Michael Taliancic taking out the championship. On account back to Kenneth Ladder, um, who certainly drove a phenomenal season. I believe Scotty Gamble might have rounded out a third place finish in the championship standings after missing one or two rounds. Jumping on now to the Logitech series, uh, qualification series. They had their round three results from Hockenheim as well. In qualif qualifying, once again, Jared Philsell, uh set the tone early and, and, and secured himself another pole position. Uh, ultimately, this one was a quick watch for me. I didn't pick up too much from it, but... Um, you know, the, the the official results at the end of this round would be Phil Sell from Griffin Gardner from Forzan El Nabi in third. Um, so uh, that's Jared three from three. Uh, the final round of this series will be taking place within iRacing week number 12. So we'll cover that next week in better detail. Just touching on the qualification process. Um, once again, it's the top 20 from this qualification process that will make the grid. Uh, we're really trying to keep an eye on those names that are hovering just outside the top 20. A couple of big names that might miss out. Um, you know, 
looking at the championship standings here. We've talked a lot about Michael Taliancic and, and his automatic exemption through the V8 vets. He is sitting in P22. So if the series was determined now, he would miss the grid on the qualification series alone, but he has that automatic exemption ticket. So that's really important for him. Uh, although he has one more opportunity to qualify. A couple of other names sitting just outside the top 20. Brian Borg, uh, Michael Whiting, Den Hall, uh, Sebastian Vandell, and Luke Mitchinson. They're just a few names for guys to keep an eye out on um, who need to have probably a result inside the top 20 in the final round um, to make sure that they can get themselves through. Just to wrap up this results segment before we get into tonight's interview, we'll just cover quickly off the third round of the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. Um, that went to Le Mans for two races. And again, we're really just tracking our how our Aussie drivers are doing in this series. In race one, um, it was pretty solid outing for the boys. Uh, Jordan Caruso managed to finish in P6. Cooper Webster managed to come home in P8. So again, just a just a draft train, as you can imagine, around Le Mans circuit. Uh, the Red Bull cars were just exceptionally strong out in front. Uh, Sebastian Job would go on and win another race here in a series that he's fast proving too good. With race number two, the main race, uh, it would be a reverse grid for the top eight, which seen uh, Cooper Webster on pole position. Jordan Caruso would start P3. Uh, on the start of the race, Caruso got through into second spot. So we had uh, Webster Caruso 1-2. And of the six-lap race, it went that way for about five and three-quarter laps. <laughs> yeah. We're so close to an Aussie 1-2. Uh, but Cooper, you know, much to his credit, got the job done and got his... Uh, Oracle Red Bull racing car over the line in first place. Um, Jordan Caruso on the dying stages of the lap got shuffled from second back to fourth and missed the podium, which was just, again, with, with other cars working to draft off each other, just, yeah, not a whole lot Jordan really could do in that situation and just gut-wrenching. It would have been such a good... Um, a good race meet for those guys if they had to finish one, two, but first and fourth. So, you know, not a bad result at all. Um, the win gets Cooper Webster up in seventh in the championship and John Caruso is eighth in the championship. And they've got a hundred, it's 112 points gap between uh, Sebastian Job in first place in the championship back to Cooper in seventh. So once again, Sebastian's looking very dominant uh, through three rounds. Uh, it's only a seven-round series. This is the creme de la creme. This is for $200,000 US. So it is a big, big series, but it's fast going the way Sebastian's job unless um, yeah, divine intervention kicks in. That is going to do it for our Reese recaps. Uh, it was a quick-fire one tonight. Just We had plenty to catch up on. Um, and you know, really the talking point is just the, the amazing finish to the V8 veterans season. Uh, once again, Michael Taliancic gets the championship, gets the golden ticket, goes through the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. Um, we'll be picking that up, uh, when that does kick off in the new iRacing season. 
So we will probably stop covering the V8 veterans once that kicks off. Um, and we'll just, we'll just follow a couple of the key series. We've also got V8 Supercars Online Premier Series kicking off this weekend. So Sunday, March the 30th kicks off. Uh, we'll start covering that series. So a uh, couple of big, big ticket items on the Australian iRacing calendar commence in the not-too-distant future. Um, we're not going to get into the updates regarding the new iRacing patches, or sorry, new iRacing um, build coming out, but, you know, lots of stuff to get excited for there, which we'll get into more detail in, in probably next week's episode, but, you know, obviously everyone's aware of the rain, new tracks, tracks going to free content, so lots of stuff to cover. That's why we're not going to try and do it in tonight's episode. Uh, we might just have a, in, in, in our downtime or down week we'll, we'll have a better chance to go into some better detail on those topics so um that's going to do it for the the drive-by segment um and our race recaps this week so now we'll get straight into our interview with one of the voices that is synonymous with the australian eye racing scene and and just a, an all right uh good guy and, and hard worker in uh scotty rankin so i hope you enjoy our conversation about what it's like to be a commentator in iRacing. Okay, everyone, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Sim Racing in Focus podcast, the man with the voice that is fast becoming associated with the Australian iRacing scene, not to mention a former teammate of mine, Mr. Scotty Rankin. Welcome, mate. Thanks for giving up your time and how are you doing? Um, yeah, so uh, a bunch of people will be listening along going, oh, that's not your usual tones. You know, that's not normally how you work. You're, you're 100% right. Um, feeling a little bit under the weather and that makes me feel a little bit sad because uh, as we're recording this, the next round of the Logitech qualifying series is actually tomorrow night and I'm going to have to miss it because I know that I'm not going to be able to give my best. So, um, yeah, no, it's been a big year. I'm excited, disappointed this week, but hey, it is what it is. You know, it's got to happen at some point, right? That's right, but I'm glad you're um, sacrificing Logitech to come out and, and talk to me <laughs> instead. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% what it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, that's that's terrific. And, and yeah, I'm sure we'll get into uh, a lot of what about what you're up to of late, but, um, you know, you've obviously got a, a very busy schedule coming up this year, but, you know, now that now that we know that your your voice is synonymous with the Australian iRacing racing scene, um, what do you prefer to go with now? Is it the the Ray Rabs Warren of sim racing or the Tony Gregg of sim racing? What, what are we comparing you to these days? Um, gee, I mean, I've I've had a lot of comparisons actually um, over over my time thus far. Like, I, I'm really happy carving up my own path. Um, I I don't like the comparisons to other people. Um, just more so, you know, it means all of a sudden I've got to be someone. I've got to be to, be a particular voice and, and i'm really really happy with what i'm putting out um but i think my favorite one is actually lee diffie 
Um, <laughs> I, I've heard that so many times and probably my least favorite one is Daniel Gray. So there you go. <laughs> well, I did hear you talking about the Daniel Gray comparison. Oh, but that in a post, I can't remember. But yeah, that one, that was a good, funny conversation you had about that. Yeah, that's, uh, I want to say a big shout out to, to Mez because, uh, he's probably the one that, that come up with the best one out of all of those that, um, have been kicking around. Um, and it was the wish.com Daniel Gray. So it was, it wasn't just Daniel Gray, <laughs> wish.com Daniel Gray. So, you know, we're taking it to another level. Thanks, Mez. Yeah. Oh dear. I, I do that. That's pretty good. But, um, I think that's a bit savage on you to be honest, I think. You've got a good pitch for the the commentary duties, but anyway, obviously we are here to talk about about your journey, uh, I guess, as a commentator on iRacing, um, and and I'm sure a lot of people will recognise it or re- sorry, recognise your voice, but we'll get to know you a little bit better. But I guess just you know, real general start. Where yeah, when did sim racing start for you? Just, just sim racing is the hobby. Um, as as a hobby, I've played. I was actually sort of thinking about this over the last couple of days, knowing that this is probably one of the questions you're going to ask. Um, sim racing for me, I've, I've always been interested in racing. Um, anyone who's probably listened along to, to our podcast knows um, I've been racing motocross bikes since the time I was five. Um, so dad was leading club championships in the endurance. The Ironman category was, he had, a, had an old DT2, uh, DT200. And I can remember that was probably the bike I had my first ever ride on anything motor, motorcycle related. And um, dad, you know, obviously sitting behind me holding everything up and I'm just squirting away at the throttle, which was a blast. And I remember that that thing in particular, cause just because I had that real ting, 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 like proper enduro. It, it, the KDMs like currently get a similar sound, but it's not quite the same. Um, so that's probably my first memories. My first ever time on a motorbike, I flattened a tree. Um, <laughs> it's getting more and more. Yeah. So we had like three small trees along our side right next to our side fence and i was coming around the corner faster and faster and faster and my mother's looking at me and getting more and more freaked out she she still tells bits and pieces of this story to this day um my brother's pottering around because we both got peewee 50s for christmas that year and um yeah no i i got ballsier and i got ballsier and i got ballsier and then i hit the tree and that's where the ballsiness <laughs> stopped <laughs> um, it, might, it, it might interest you to know that my my daytime job is uh of a consulting arborist for council. Part of what I do is issue fines for non-compliant tree removals, but I can't <laughs> say I've ever I've ever investigated one being removed by motorbike before. Look, the tree was probably, I think, six, 12 months old. So it wasn't a tree, it was like a shrub. <laughs> it, it was like a little shrub. So that's the only reason a Peewee 50 would run down a tree. But yeah, no, that's, that's where it started. So that was 1997. Uh, I won the Aussie Logging Track title in the year 2000, um, which was the last year Peewee 50s were eligible for the long track title, oh, nationally, for, for a competitive class title. In 2001, they moved them to a non-competitive title. So I can say I am the longest standing Australian long track uh, title champion. Um, is a really cool, unique claim to fame, which is obviously completely and utterly garbage because it means nothing these days. But um, yeah, and then from there, we sort of dwindled off. Mum and dad ran motocross clubs for, they're still running them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I started getting into probably sim racing. I met, um, I, I can still remember, I think I was looking up the games the other day, IndyCar 2 on a Windows 95 machine, and it was a demo um, that came in like those, fl- I think it was on a floppy disk, actually. Um, oh my God. And of course, we didn't have wheel and pedals back in those days, so I'm racing around ovals, and the only two tracks the game had were, I want to say Charlotte? I think it might have been Charlotte. 
Um, but I do remember Laguna Seca, and it was literally numpad controls was uh, was how you drove the thing. So, um, <laughs> and then the demo ran out at as soon as you ran out of fuel, you, the pit stops didn't work, and that's where the demo sort of ended. So you could run as far as one tank of fuel. Um, fast forward, probably about 2011, I started getting into the Formula One games because I've always sort yep. of watched, been a fan of, of racing. You know, once you grow up with it, you, you're sort of stuck. You're a fan. Um, love the strategy with those style of Formula One games. Um, and sort of was like backward, uh, background fan. I think I got my first wheel about 2015. Um, and then I got seriously into iRacing right at the start of COVID. I was watching um, some really, really good friends of mine to this day um, in oval racing in the States. And mm-hmm. um, I just loved the look of oval racing straight away. I looked at it, there was strategy, there was tire wear, there was fuel strategy, there was long distance races. And and it just hooked me. Like uh, I watched this guy for a week and I bought iRacing. I was like, man, I just, all I want to do is spot for you. That's, that's all I wanted to do. Like driving was cool, but I was like, I just want to, you know, learn, learn that way. And that's how I got into iRacing. Um, fast forward probably six six to nine months after that, I was doing some endurance series racing. And um, one of the guys that I was racing with said, oh, one of the groups I'm working with is looking for some more commentators. I've been doing esports commentating, starting with the League of Legends since 2014. Um, I've done a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we'll get in into the Australian. That. Yeah, <laughs> we'll that, get there. there's going to be there, I'm sure. But, You're um, robbing me of my yeah. questions. <laughs> and then he just said, oh, yeah, come along. Um, I, I spoke to the guy, a guy by the name of Matthew Rodriguez, who runs Flat Out Racing Network. Um, that got me a foot in the door. I'd never done racing commentating before. I picked up a microphone. I think it was 10. Um, we were racing at my home track. And mum and dad had run this inter-club series between five clubs in northern New South Wales. Um, and... This is like my only introduction to commentating before I got into esports stuff. I picked up the microphone. I said, oh, the commentator had to go get lunch. I said, oh, do you mind if I commentate? A, uh, you know, because I was always picking up the microphone. You'd win a win a class at the end of the day. I was always thanking like five or ten different people at the end of the race. I was the only kid to do it. Um, yep. And then I did this one race and people were running to the fence and they were really, really interested. This is, this is you know, me knee high to a grasshopper. Don't know much about the world of commentating. I'm just doing it because I think it looks cool and that's sort of the origin story of me and then yes flat out racing network turned into some oval series started off with trucks i got really big into the indycar side of things loved the indycars loved the the pack racing um yeah met a bunch of people and then the rest is history really absolutely that's yeah that's a pretty long history though and the one thing i noticed is you're saying you're you're in you got your first wheel and in indesim racing in around about 2015 but didn't come over to iRace until the COVID time. So 2020, 2021. So what were you doing in that period of time? Just in, just Formula One, just solo yeah. racing Formula One. I think out of everything we ever did, I think I only ever did like two or three online races. And I just, I just didn't like it. Wasn't interested in it. Um, to yeah. me, the, the strategy, whenever I saw the online racing stuff, it was short races. And I just looked at that and went, no, thank you. I'm good. I'd, yeah. I'd rather... Uh-huh. I always did the full full distance races on Formula One. Like the half distance races, not interested in them. Yeah, I was similar. I picked it up. That's pretty much where it started for me too with the Formula One games. Just getting into career mode. I was never much of an online racer, and that's and you know, I thought because I didn't do that that i racing wasn't going to be for me. Like that's that's how I sort of at the time I didn't didn't view online racing as my thing. I just like the, the career mode and grinding away on that side of things. So a uh, very similar start, at least for, for, for us. 
Um, uh, you touched on it briefly just there, but you know, we did you did come into iRacing in the COVID era. We could call it now, I suppose, with with um, how the boom started and. Um, you touched briefly on how you got your first uh, gig commentating. So could flush that out. How did that all come about? Was that something that, you know, someone asked you to try and do or did you go seeking that? Um, actually, it, it's just triggered. There was there was some small amount of online racing I'd actually done and it was on Project Cars 2 on computer, mm -hmm. which I'd completely forgotten about because it was just so, you know, insignificant uh, in terms of things. Yeah. But um. I joined a, a really small community. I think there was 15 of us. Uh, I think the most number of cars we ever had on track was about 15. But we did just fun star races. The whole point was if anyone ever fell off the track or had an issue, we'd all immediately stop, wait for them to catch back up, get going again. Um, yeah. And then one of those guys was like, oh, you've done you've done commentating before because I'd talked about it a few times. Do you want to have a crack at this? Did that. And um, there's a few guys that are still within the sim racing world in Australia that actually know me from those days. Um, one of them is actually Braden Sagasa um out of the oh, one okay. crew yep. so that's i actually know him from i want to say 2017 was when we first met um could be 2016 actually um yeah so i just did that for a couple times for fun i think i only ever did like five commentating things but i was streaming the whole time you know i was just having fun for myself really um and then some of those guys they i met up with them i was just doing an online racing on iRacing and um was just doing a nascar truck league and the guy went scott scott rankin you used to run in this league in this group with this group of people used to do some commentating oh boy yeah man you do a bunch of endurance racing these days don't you yeah 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 i do come on jump this discord <laughs> and that kick started everything and then it was the same guy that um warren and i can't remember his last name but his first name's warren um invited me to come do some endurance racing with them that we started off in uh, i think it was a 90 minute endurance league in the uh the porsche 919 and whatever the other one the audi that sounds like a truck um uh, and all the the, e cars. yes yeah 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 the old <laughs> element ones um yeah. and then he just said at the end of one of those oh i remember you used to commentate flat out racing networks looking for some new commentators they got some new gigs coming up they don't have enough commentators to fill those slots jumped across shuffled around did some stuff for them and yeah that got me started and i was just i was really really enjoying it like when you come from a racing back like esports is good i love talking esports and i've always had a real big knack for it when anything i've done with commentating i've always succeeded quite well with it but racing just felt right whereas yeah. the others I had to work really hard to get an understanding of it it got boring really quickly racing doesn't do that for me so okay. it just it was very natural one step led to another step led to another step basically so yeah, well, when I think when you think about commentary, it, motorsports is one um, sort of broadcast that really depends a lot on it, especially at you know, especially like endurance racing stuff like that, keep people engaged. Um, you know, so it, it's not a surprise to hear you say it comes a little bit more naturally. But since you did bring it up, let's let's touch a little bit on before we get right into your your, your motorsport commentary and and and. Uh, and stuff you're doing on iRacing. Let's touch. Let's get a little bit of a brief history of of your uh, other esports commentary work that you have been doing. You mentioned at the top of the show, League of Legends, things like that. How did you get involved in that? And and sort of how long were, how long were you doing that type of commentary for? Oh, I think I, I could. There's an American friend of mine that I made um, that actually came over for my wedding. Um, and the first ever commentating gig I ever did was um, me and him were just watching League of Legends Worlds that year. I mean, at the end of World, Worlds finished, we were both just like, 
we looked at each other and went, you and I can do this. This is so easy. Like everything they're doing is stuff that we talk about all the time. Like mm-hmm. we could absolutely do this. And we, we just ended up just doing it one day. We're just like, screw it. Just gonna have a crack. I'm just gonna do it on a stream. And all of a sudden, I think for the first time ever, I hit double digit stream viewers on Twitch. And this would have been, I th- it's either 2014, I got to go over to New Zealand, which is too far along. So it'd have to be like, I reckon November, 2012, I think. If, if, if it wasn't November, 2012, it was 2013 because I, I'm re- it had to have been 2013, I think just because I'm reasonably certain I've been doing commentating for 10 years at the end of last year. Um, but the, the dates are a little bit sketchy for me. I've got one of those brains that'll either really, yep. really well remember specific details of specific things happening, or I completely forget it. There's, there's no in between. Um, so yeah, it, it just started. And then there was a forum that was getting around and I'd made a few friends and they all said, yeah, come join this forum. And the first day I was on that forum, they were like, oh, we're looking for commentators to do this. Ah, screw it. I'll give it a crack. Well, within two or three weeks, I had people that were above going, come sit in. We want you to come listen. We want you to come. We want to take you on a wing. We want to teach you a few different bits and pieces. We, we think, you know, you've got some sort of talent for it. I went, sweet. You know, just, just sort of followed along. Um, but I was very young. Um, so, yeah. you know, 10, 11 years ago, I was early, very early 20s. Um, and at that point in time, undiagnosed neurodivergence. Um, so I was having a lot of problems relating to people online um and in particular was just not reading situations very well and i had a very vindictive streak at the time so whenever something didn't go well i tried to burn all bridges break all contact you know those sorts of things so what can what would what happen is i go through a cycle um which yep. is where i build up a relationship do really really well with a certain person find a value that i didn't agree with with that person and then i just that's it i'm out to destroy them from now on and and i burned so many bridges in young me just burned so so many bridges um doing those sorts of things and i wasn't doing fun anymore and then i quit league of legends that's it i've had enough i'm not doing it very well um but before that i I got to go over to new zealand and commentate their national finals with a specific group um which was really really cool um that was just an experience like you wouldn't believe i was managing an esports team for a very short span i think it was only about two or three months um i went to a couple of events on their their dollars which was very very cool opened my eyes to a whole bunch of different things um, and then I sort of cycled around through a bunch of different esports after that. Touched yeah. some Counter Strike, didn't really like Counter Strike. Um, was always interested in COD, but couldn't commentate it because I couldn't get the callouts. Um, liked Hearthstone because I liked a lot of the strategy, so did a little bit of that. I've done, if if it's out there in terms of an esport form, I probably had a crack at it. Probably my biggest name events and people that know me the most. Um, is probably, I, I still have people to this day contacting me going, oh, you're still that guy that used to commentate Smite in Australia. Yeah, yeah, that's me. So, um, yeah, that was really, <laughs> really cool. Um, so got to work for Hi-Rez Studios, I think in about 2016, 2017, just doing their challenger level stuff. It wasn't cash paid, but it was, yeah. I, I got big, big reimbursements in, term, in terms of in-game currency um, and met a lot of, again, really, really interesting people, but just just failed to manage those relationships properly. So okay yeah um one of the sort of things i like to do when talk to people such as yourself is try and figure out a way where you know if someone was out there that you know might be thinking they'd like to do commentary as a bit of a whether it's for fun or or anything else that they might pick up things from these types of interviews with with people such as yourself so um hopefully as we go along we might try and ask some more probing questions and sort of get your 
your thoughts and, and, and any advice that you can hand down that, that people might look, um, you know, certainly myself in my experience, I hear people always popping up with some questions, you know, thinking Absolutely. that they might like to try it. And, um, I mean, just to, just to give you a discussion point to start off with, one of the, one of the first things I can say <clears> is even if you think you're terrible at it, even if in your head you think you, I still think I'm bad, by the way. I, I, I really, there are, there are a lot of glaring things in my head that I think I'm still doing very, very wrong. And there's a lot of things that I need to tune up and a lot of things that I think I need to work on. And I still have people coming to me telling me, you know, it's, it's a really, really yeah. bad concept that I get in my brain called um, imposter syndrome, um, whereby I just, because there was of, of a whole bunch of things that happened in my younger life, whereby people were telling me bits and pieces and they were being disingenuous. So I just didn't have that ability to read it. I struggle accepting common um, compliments these days, but mm. one of the biggest things I can tell you is no matter what you think of yourself, get out there and have a crack first and foremost, because as soon as you, you flip that recording on and you, you record something, you've, you've made a start. Number one, number two, you've got something to go back and have a look at and start reflecting on and start improving on straight away. Yep. All right, I'm back. I'm back on track now. <laughs> I remember my question. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, what what we see now on the broadcast, the Scotty Rankin we see now is sort of approaching. You know, I know we're always learning and always getting better, but you're certainly a very good uh, commentator for iRacing and esports in Australia right now. Um, do you think a lot of those core skills were developed when you were bouncing around, you know, in these other esports leagues prior to getting here, or do you think that even just in the time that you've been on iRacing, you've actually come a long way? Um, being on iRacing has tested me in different ways. Um, with esports stuff, I never had the ability to be an analytical or color commentator. I was always five to ten minutes behind what was happening um within the games i particularly counter-strike really frustrated me because um all the the play-by-play -play roles there's not really a play-by-play -play role in counter-strike there is sort of a loose one so it was very analytical um and yeah. I, I just couldn't grasp it um didn't understand the game didn't understand the call outs didn't understand a b and c so it taught me a lot of skills about relying on the people around me um one of the biggest ones that i can sort of you know, if people are listening and they're going and they're, they're watching my broadcast or they're watching anyone's broadcast, one of the big things that I'd say straight is, is learn how to hand off. Uh, and that's as easy as going to somebody else with a question or having a specific tone. You'll, you'll find a lot of the commentators that I work with naturally know when they're next to pick up in, in, in the conversation because I'll end either on a downward tone or I'll ask them a question. That's, that's yep. one of the biggest, easiest ones that you can start off with. Okay. Yeah. Just reading cues. Um, yeah. Yeah, and believe it or not, I've actually done a little bit myself too back in the day. But like, um, I was just, uh, I was, dare I say it, I was, I was kind of like the Mizomo on the broadcast that I was doing where <laughs> I'd just sit there and wait to be chucked to. Um, but uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, you've just given me an awesome one here to ask you. You talked about um, color commentary. Um, usually there's two people in a commentary booth. Talk about the, just, just sort of clarify the different roles because obviously there's a lead and then there's a second person, but what are they called in, in commentary terms? And, and um, yeah, give us a little bit of understanding about, um, certainly from your perspective now, like you're commentating a couple of the bigger leagues. So um, we might hear from one or two voices, but yeah, give us a bit of an understanding about what is going on in the commentary booth when you're calling the race. 
Um, yeah, so the role stuff, we'll probably start with that because that's quite easy and that's that's probably one yep. of the big basics that, that will help people further their own careers and how they're thinking about things is, yep, you there's generally two, two commentators of the same style only work in specific circumstances. Speedway is one of them um dirt track racing you need two play-by-plays and that's because the action is happening so thick and so fast whilst one is taking a breath the other one's doing the play-by-play so that is the only time realistically that that sort of commentary style of two play-by-plays works together but they're both also analytical or color commentators of some degree as well so realistically speedway commentating is one of the hardest things to do because you've got to have a complete skill set it's not just the oh quick time Dean's laid down a, a 51, five, eight, five, a 51, five, eight, you know, that that's easy to do. Everyone's mm. seen that they can mimic that. Right. Um, so know your roles, um, lead, obviously all, all lead means is just that you're in charge of going to, from one segment to the next, um, yep. you're generally going to be aware of your time signatures. So for example, and, and I'm really, really bad at keeping to time, by the way, it's something I have to physically focus on and work at constantly or I miss it um so you'll know we've got 90 seconds for an interview and you'll just have a rough estimate of how long that interview's been going for um you'll go yes. maybe three questions for for a 90 second interview um that and and you've got to shuffle through five of those in in whatever the time span is um so that's that's normally a lead the lead will know where they're going now you your lead will also have another role as well generally it's your play-by-play role and what we mean by play-by-play is you're saying what the action is so yeah. Uh, if you've ever heard from football, it'll be um, hands off to the fullback. The fullback's going for the kick downtown. That's a that's a play-by-play. You're literally reading the action as it happens. And the play-by-play is there to tell you what's going on, but add to it. If yeah. I'm just telling you what's happening on the screen, I'm not giving you any value, right? I'm not giving you some flavor. Part of the reason everyone comes and watches, I think, my commentary is because I'm adding an energy to it. Um, I'm also adding my own little bit of flavor, communication, a bit of puns, you know, a joke here and there, and I'm having fun with it. That's, I think, one of the biggest redeeming features about my commentary is the fun that I'm having with it. Um, that can be somebody else's. Somebody can match my style perfectly and better at it. Go nuts. If, if you think that's the style for you, absolutely go nuts. Smash me out of the water. Make me improve. 100% do that. Um, so, you know, that's play-by-play in a nutshell is what's going on, on the screen plus a little bit more. Um, your color, color is, is about adding a little bit more of that side value. It's sort of expanding on that plus more role from a play-by-play. And analysis is really a lot more of the technical details. So a color is going to describe the situation really, really well, but the analyst is going to back it up with numbers and statistics. They're going to have a plan. They're going to know, I've done the numbers on these fuel. This guy's scheduled to pit in about five minutes time. Maximum, he can get to seven and a half minutes off of this tank but he's not going to go really any further than that. He's going to have to do a lot of work to do that. And we haven't seen that far. Furthest I'd see him go is about six minutes. Yeah. So that's more of the yeah. analyst. He'll be looking at wing angles, discussing those sorts of things. The driver color, color will talk to the drivers a lot more and do some more personal interviews and those sorts of things. Yeah. Cause we would normally see if someone was starting out, you would maybe slot into that secondary role as a, as a natural starting spot. If you were looking to get into commentary, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, um, I, I would say it's really difficult because play-by-play and lead is, is more important um, mm. to get that right. So it's definitely very difficult to get your timings and those sorts of things. If you've got a broadcast mind, if you understand the flow of things, if you're great at running meetings, 
um, in a corporate sense, you probably will be quite good at lead because you keep everyone to time, you keep them to signature, or you'd be a better, better broadcaster because that's all you're doing basically is keeping people on track and pointing at where the action's going. Um, yeah, but I, w- I would say, see, I'll get into things from the play-by-play perspective. Um, yeah. For me, I find that easier. It's just natural. It just comes. Um, yeah, so so for me, I find that easier. But for iRacing, yeah, definitely the, the analytical is probably a way to come in, sit there. If you're really good with strategy, you can make a good commentator. Yeah. I just remembered just the, the stuff that I did, um, you know, getting comfortable with it. I enjoyed it a lot, but I never really wanted to do the lead side of it. It was just... Yeah, even though I'd done it for a couple of iRacing seasons, I was never tempted to do the lead. I just wanted, I was comfortable in that secondary role. So it does take a certain type of personality to do. Um, yeah, it's interesting because um, one of the one of the criticisms of my early commentary career was that I had an ego on me and I never necessarily thought of it as an ego. I just thought, you know, I represented things. But some people say that it takes an ego to be a lead commentator. Um, I can see how people would reference me in that lie, but I, you know, I don't think that I think it, yeah, it, it, does it take some strength and personality probably a little bit because you've got to have that control. You've got to know your flow, but yeah, I'm, I, I think anyone can do it if they're, if they're set up correctly. Strength and personality is probably hitting the nail on the head there. It, 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 it takes a bit of confidence to, to project your voice and lead in that manner. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether it's commentary or like you said before meeting, uh, leading a business meeting, it's it's delivering with conviction type thing. I, one of, one of the biggest tips I actually got very, very early on in my career, and this is back to the esports days. It doesn't matter if you're wrong, just sell it. You know, I, if, for example, let's, let's, let's talk NASCAR because that's very, very easy. You know, most NASCAR pit stops, you're going to take tires, right? Because the tires fall off. I can sit here and say to you, Dean, oh man, this guy right here, he's not going to take tires at his next pit stop. You know why? Because he's going to save two seconds in that pit stop. He could lose 20 seconds over there, but you think he's not going to do it now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's two just, seconds. you're just going to sell it. You know, just confidence. Even if you're wrong, if, if you think you're wrong, turn off YouTube chat, turn off YouTube chat. 100%. Don't watch yeah. chats. Watch that later no, for a little you- bit of criticism. <laughs> whilst you're commentating like that can Im- impact your confidence so much yeah I, I used to remember getting you know if you were on commentary and you said something and you went oh no that's a mistake or sorry no that's not what i meant yeah I, I used to get the the um producer in the background going stop apologizing no one knows you're wrong <laughs> little things like that so it's just like yeah just say it and go with it but um not that you're wrong much at all it's just yeah little quirks oh, like the time. <laughs> ask my wife my wife will tell you <laughs> yeah okay well that's that's really interesting getting into that sort of technical side of it <clears throat> um just you know i touched on right at the top of the show that we've been pro- pri- uh, previously been teammates but this this year you're is it fair to say that you've had like a bit of a change where you were commentating and racing and now you're really locked in on the commentary is probably maybe the main thing that you're doing on iRacing now. Is that, um, is that fair to say? Yeah, I probably over the last eight months, um, I was starting to have a lot of flashbacks to my younger days whereby I was getting really, really angry. Um, and I don't want to do that with racing because I just have such a passion for it. I, th- I think it comes largely from you know um comes back to those early days where you know i said my parents are running motocross clubs at, at one stage we we're running three clubs um at once um and i i had to pitch in i had to help out with those duties so i know what it goes into running clubs 
uh, and I was what goes into running sports and I could see myself becoming the worst kind of person that wasn't being beneficial to anyone around me. I was very grumpy all the time. Um, one of the reasons was that I was struggling with, with burnout just about near constantly. Um, the racing commitments and the standard that I wanted to be at. Um, I can, I can, I'm quite good at analyzing what I can do. I'm not quite good at living up to my own expectations and my own standards that I set for myself. So the standards becoming too high for what I demanded of myself, I wasn't getting the best out of me. And I looked around and just went, the best possible thing I can do right now is, is take a break because I can just, all I'm seeing is the negative and it's inflicting my commentary and I'm loving my commentating um yep. right now so I, I looked at it and i just went look i mean my wife says this to me all the time you're picking up too much you're taking too much on um you need you need to step back and see what you can do and and i did that i i um i wanted to have a crack at the the road to pro series in nascar trucks this year but even with my schedule last year that just wasn't a reality that wasn't something that, that realistically i could sit down and do um with confidence and if i'm not competing at my best level if i'm not giving it my all i'm not going to do it um so i had to pull back from that and then i was like right well maybe i'll just work on my eye rating did that for about three or four days and just went no nope, this is this is making me worse and then i just went you know what i'm just gonna take a break i, I have to take a break because there yep. is if, if i keep at what i'm doing right now i won't be commentating in six months i won't be doing anything to do with eye racing in six months i'll be sitting in the corner i'll be lonely i'll be miserable and i'll be a negative person and I, that's not who i want to be yeah so yeah you can definitely get I mean, you definitely hear stories and can relate to people that get that eye racing burnout whether it's you know commentary working league admin or or just racing itself it's it definitely catches a lot of people off guard um, because it is, it's just the nature of being a competitor, really. It's like, you know, there's plenty of resources available for you to go that little bit deeper, work that little bit harder, sacrifice that little bit more time, stay up that little bit more later, but then it all leads to burning you out quicker. And um, yeah, getting a grasp on how to make that all balanced is, is, is skill in itself. And um, yeah, I can certainly relate um to those to that as well you know just trying to take on uh i do doing the podcast and, and and you're doing one as well and that part of that's just getting some enjoyment back into it because you know that's it that, that is that is such a big big key about you know why why i sat down and wanted to start i've, I've wanted to start a podcast for i i've done so many different esports podcasts i've been on league of legends one smite ones uh, i think it was on a hearthstone one for a small period as well and i just love you know, I love talking to people about their passions. Um, and I've, since I've come to iRacing, probably the first year, first year and a half I was here, I was like, eh, I mean, this is interesting, but didn't have the passion for it. Now, now I just want to talk to people for, you know, I just want to sit down, have a beer with someone and, and talk racing for even side topics to racing for, for two yeah. hours. It's, it's not serious. It's about all the aspects that go on with it. And um, to me, it's, every single person i've come across has a story it does not matter if they're even even people i've come across in the real world there are so many stories like my parents have pressed on to me about the guy that shows up every single week goes down to turn one and flag marshals at turn one and he loves that because he's just seeing the kids having fun and, and there's a story in that and you know it could be that he lost a kid he, he lost a kid to racing and he's still showing up because it knew what he it meant to his kid so this is his way of still attaching there are so many stories like that yeah. 
that just don't get told and not enough people are aware of and and we get tied up in this competitive mindset without wondering who the person is on the other side of the competitive mindset so i just i just love telling stories man to be honest with you yeah and you um i've mentioned it before but um my background i suppose with sports is i used to play a lot of cricket um down in down in sydney and i remember we used to have a a sports psychologist come along usually just come along in the off season for a couple of sessions because you know everyone was yeah gunning for 11 state contracts or 20 state contracts and and you know you got 20 20 odd first grade teams with 11 players each you do the math there's not a lot on offer (laughs) and so a lot of people you know cricket i suppose is a sport where you have more failures than what you do have successes so your highs are incredibly high but you're also low a lot of the time as well so you know a lot of the time they uh would talk about enjoying teammate success as opposed to tying up failure all in your own performance if that makes sense so i think reaching out talking to other people hearing about their success stories is is a why that i'm continuing on that piece of advice damn why does everyone like have cricket what what is what is it with cricket and and racing everyone's just super cricket like uh john van rees <laughs> into cricket massively into cricket he's got some really really interesting stories around cricket um mez myself um, I think with Jake Burton, we're actually talking to recently. I, I can't can't remember, um, but just about everyone's to do with cricket, and it's the same same sort of thing. Like you're 100 right. I've been really really lucky, I guess, in that it's, it's sort of difficult because if we hadn't have moved around as much as we have, maybe we'd be a little bit more set up in life um, and whatnot. But at the same time, I've got a, so many experiences to excuse me to fall back on um, because I've played cricket in Grafton, Armadale um two separate clubs in two separate parts of melbourne and two different comps in melbourne um the same um same thing on the central coast uh i've played for three different teams on the central coast one of them was playing in newcastle the other two were in the central coast comp and now i'm out here at griffith so i've, I've gotten this really unique opportunity through through both motor racing and through cricket as well to, to meet so many different people um one one of the stories i really love telling is that it's so unique to be in the minority at a cricket club um i I got to be at a cricket club whereby i was one of three white guys at the cricket club and everyone else was subcontinent and i love that i love that experience because i learned so much more i learned some of the language there are still some some subcontinental guys now that i say um tike tike and um shabash shabash which is basically just good job well done um, those sorts of things. And it's really, really, I can now relate to people at different clubs and different walks of life just from, you know, how, how I've been impacted and, and influenced, which is just so cool. So cool. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're definitely going off on a tangent here, but I've got one more cricket thing. <laughs> 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 what, which clubs were you at on the coast in Newcastle? Cause I've played a lot of cricket there myself too. Doyleson YE um, was my first cricket club. Um, I played for Brisbane water and Brisbane water was so going through this evolution at the time of, they didn't have a first grade squad. So um, there was a lot going on and I ran into some really, really bad, pass, bad personalities. And it just wasn't, it was that hyper aggressive, hyper competitive focus. Um, and the, they, just, they just weren't good for me to be around. So I needed to switch clubs. And then the last two years I was living on the Central Coast, I played for Southern Spirit as well. So, Wow. We've definitely crossed paths. 
<laughs> are you kidding? I tell you right now, I, I was playing for the entrance um, definitely when all the uh, just after the mergers had taken place. So probably not. Was, so I was on the on the central coast from. Oh, we left Melbourne October 2017. So 2017-18 season, I was with um, Doyleson YE, um, which means 2018-2019, um, 2019-20, um, and 2021, I was with Brisbane Water, and then 21-22 and 22-23, I was with uh, Southern Spirit. There you go. Well, I, I finished up in 2018 when my first was born. So Okay, so so yeah, we did cross paths. There for, yeah, five years I was with the entrance before, before that. So there you go. <laughs> We've definitely crossed at some point in time. So that's interesting. All right, well, let's get back on track <laughs> before we lull everyone to sleep. Um, but, um, you know, I guess we'll move up to where, we're, where you are now with your commentary. Um, give us a bit of an idea of what, what your weekly schedule looks like because at least appears the amount of iRacing that I get to watch, you're almost on everything now. So <laughs> um, talk about what theories are you working with? Like how many are you how many nights a week are you on commentary? Uh gee. Uh I think I think I can actually confirm everything that I've got planned for this year now. Um, cause there was yeah. a few announcements that we were sort of waiting on. Um so obviously the the, the two that have sort of already done um for the season or you know you've sorry actually the three that i've already done so far for the year is premier endurance league um yeah which is gt3 gt4 so i'm doing both of those um which is every second sunday um i'm also just finished up with v8 veterans which was really kind of heartbreaking but i needed to do a change and it's something different needed to happen in that space but it's been awesome doing five seasons of commentary for them um that's through seven speed um logitech is on the last tomorrow night will be its last round of the qualifying series which is that has just been so cool just talking to a bunch of the guys um I, i've got stories you know to sort of say what my plans were for the year um and and then logitech sort of broke that down and went no no no, we want you um so that's wednesdays at the moment it should transition to wednesdays once a month i think the next round is march the 13th um formula racing group will be having me doing all of their commentary for the year um okay. where all that lands um gee whiz i think that's everything <laughs> as it no scops scops is the other one yeah so scops and yeah, scops you're gonna be on scops currently too. yeah yeah so, so. Yeah, so if you're doing all scops supports what's that that's only three nights in a row isn't it yeah supports yeah that's between that and actual scops uh I, I mean i can't do the friday night stuff um but definitely yeah. the saturday night stuff i can uh and then the sundays sunday afternoon stuff where it doesn't clash with with other bits and pieces so yeah the schedule is really tightening up but basically and then and then i'm podcasting with mez most mondays we actually took this monday off which was really good because i was sick anyway so um fixed indie is what i've been doing on a tuesday night every second week at the moment this week's an off week um 
Wednesdays is either FRG or Logitech. Thursday nights is Vets. One of the best parts, though, about stepping down from Vets is I'll be doing race control for Vets next season, which I'm really looking forward to stepping back in the race control chair. Uh, and when there was not something on leading up until now, I was doing on the Wednesday night, I was actually doing some race control for Southern Cross for their touring car series. Yeah. Friday nights is actually my D&D night with my wife, which is basically our date night to make sure that we do spend time together each week. Saturdays, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm so keen for cricket season to be over just because how busy i am at the moment and i hate that because i'm gonna miss it when it's gone but yeah saturdays is cricket and then sundays is yeah the, the myriad of series is that all shuffle around on a sunday so Jeez, basically yeah, my big... off nights is like tuesday night <laughs> so yeah. which are here recording this podcast so yeah <laughs> today's tuesday isn't it i forget sometimes yeah <laughs> man i'm i'm my headspace so... at the moment i'm so delirious just with this, this cold so yeah wait that, that's that's a huge schedule like that's a you know um a fair fairly big commitment to undertake i imagine but okay well yeah, let's say i first come across your commentary probably back in sim racing world days i would yep. say how how has <clears throat> you know just um how do we go about phrasing this question uh like if how has it um start again how different has it been going from those broadcasts that you were on in the early days and now moving up to someone like sim speed um is is getting into a broadcaster like sim speed so i'm going to throw a two-part question at you now you know is that something you're reaching out to them or are they coming to you um, I reached out to them, but they also put a post out saying, Hey, we've got new series is coming on board. We need a couple extra commentators. Is there anyone interested? And I, I messaged, uh, I replied to the post straight away, got an instant response. Um, and Jay Kennedy says, yep, we know exactly who you are. Don't, um, don't need to send us a video. We know exactly who you are. We know what you can do. Are you available these nights? So that conversation was really nice and easy, which I loved. Yep. Um, it's a shame the way that SRW ended, um, I don't get on with their management, but I do get on with the drivers and I do get on with um, the the people that were in and around it. I have a lot of love in particular for Nathan Howard, um, who he was on a holiday um, whilst we were living on the Central Coast and come and visited. And we actually got to meet in person, which was really, really cool. Got to meet his wife as well. Um, you know, he, he's just a lovely, lovely guy and he's putting it together as he goes along. Um, and, and there yeah. is a difference between going from a broadcaster of that level. He's learned so much and he puts in so much work behind the scenes to get to where he is, but he cannot make up for 10 years worth of experience. Um, no. As for working with Jay and the Simspeed crew, is there a step up? Absolutely. Um, but it's not as big a step as you might think. Um, they make it, if you know what you're doing and you know how to hand off, or you're willing to take criticism and you're willing to take feedback, they make it so easy. Um, Jay puts in a ridiculous amount of this. This is his job, right? For Jay yeah. um, from SimSpeed. So he's, he's working at camera packs. He's looking at cars. He's looking at ways to improve the broadcast. I've some of the stuff that has not come out yet from SimSpeed that will do in the future. Oh my God, the stuff that Jay does, he, he's taught himself new programs and new ways to push the apron and, and to improve things. And that's what it takes to be his standard. Um, you know, he he's working with directly with Iris and, and a lot of people don't know that, but to to be that's what it takes to push the bubble to be working with those sorts of people. So there is no one else who can really sit down and compare 
um, to that, except for Luke from Race Stars TV. He was awesome to work with as well. I've worked with him on FRG and the Logitech series last year. And, and I'm really kind of upset that he's going away because he was another one. And I, I think competition makes everyone better. So it was really, really good yeah. to have him around. Um, I was going to ask, sorry, just to butt in just on, on Luke, he, he is not broadcasting anymore. Is that correct? I believe so. I, I, I'm not sure of the reasons for that. All I know from his personal side is that he was doing too much and he wasn't, yep. he's got a young family and he wanted to spend more time with them and he wasn't. So it's difficult in that um i I'm, I'm i'm not interested in kids i'm not interested in family and that those sorts of things so it's it's something i'll not be able to appreciate but i can understand why he he stepped away um yeah but he's just a he's just a cool dude just we were just chatting. he had he had some unique broadcast didn't he just yeah. the way he was he the one that used to was he doing the the flyovers in microsoft sim yes was that, yes he was, was. Him? yes yeah. But that's just shows so he the passion had lots level, of different right? ideas, didn't he? Yeah, like that he uh, come up with 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 his broadcast, and he was a one man sort of band there for a while. He is, time yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's unique, and and the relationship that that formed between myself and Formula Racing Group, I have him to thank for. Um, sure, Ruse, you know, mm. being a part of Premier Endurance League, and he's seen my work there, but at the same time. They were looking for a broadcaster they were looking for a commentator one night because someone was sure and and luke threw my name into the hat and and that got that door open for me so i'll, I'll always be thankful to luke for that because that's created some really cool opportunities this year um but yeah no just a, a professional broadcasting group is is can be difficult to work with for for those of you who don't know top level broadcasting groups there's always chatter going on through your headset um some of it's from the director um if you've ever been a part of or seen anything to do with tv broadcast that's just how they do it right you've just yeah. got to you've got to be able to tune it out and um listen to the bits and pieces that you need to listen to there's a lot of commentators that will listen to something being said to them nearly nearly like the uh the will ferrell movie where he's the the, the tv anchor mm -hmm. uh, yeah and well, and man yeah, Anchorman. He's literally reading from the teleprompter. There are people out there that commentate, they hear something in their ear, and the only way they can respond and deal with that is to say exactly what that person says. And it's funny. It's really, really yeah. funny because the audience can't hear that person talking. Um, but you can pick up on what yeah. <laughs> You can actually hear it. Like sometimes there'll be some commentators and they'll be on a thought train, and then all of a sudden yeah. their speaking will slow all the way down. And you're like, what is going on here? That's probably someone talking to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's, there's, there's bits and pieces. Like one of the biggest things I put to Jay all the time is, have you noticed anything? Is there anything that you think that I could be doing better? Um, and, you know, a, a higher tier worth of broadcasting can pick up on little bits and pieces. Like Jay's constantly telling me to let a race breathe. The, it doesn't need to go at a million miles an hour the whole race. And people will yeah. enjoy it more because it slows down and we get a, get a moment to appreciate some of the action that's in that's gone on so you know there's yes yes there is a, there is a step up in terms of standard it's sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's in your face but um it's the subtle things that really really make a broadcast tick and jay jay for me does not get enough credit ever ever no one will ever give him enough credit because the the amount of stuff that he does for everyone is just ridiculous so yeah he's um definitely a, uh, you hear a, a name that i've heard mentioned a fair bit but i haven't had any personal dealings with jay but you know 
sim speed at least you know from a consumer like i guess i'm a consumer watching sims a lot of sim speed broadcast is it fair to say that they're, they're that sort of like uh on the verge of a a business a full-time business or is this still something that jay and uh and the people working behind the scenes are still managing outside of their nine till fives like it, where are we at and then also you as a, you as a commentator like is there potential for you to earn you know anything from this as, aspect of i racing whilst that's doing all this country? that's a really loaded question um there's a lot in that <laughs> yep. no so, so for jay you're asking the wrong person i um is this all he does i think so is 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 the the only answer i can give you because i've never actually asked him about it um my understanding is that yeah i think it is but i think there's he does more broadcast than go on sim speed and that's that's the key really um he does work with iRacing in the background of some of the iRacing stuff and and that's really really cool and and we constantly talk about it you know what what can we do what are they doing what what can we do better um and and that's really really cool to get some of the insights about what's what's going on over there you know but um for me from a commentating perspective having i i have done a road racing motorcycle event for my parents as a state title and i think i undercharged but i also felt greedy charging the amount that i did for that event if you were paying me that for an event every weekend i would still i think have to be working nine to five um doing stuff uh, yeah. not nine to five but i would still have to be doing something um could i be doing my current job part-time and doing commentating it'd be tight but yes yeah i I, th I think there is a world that that's possible but i'd have to find more gigs outside of sim racing i think to, to flick that on sim racing's really there would be too much going on all the time and i would never get enough time to just chill out and be me and i think that's a big big issue um the events lifestyle of a, of a supercars commentator that's that's a dream world isn't it um I would, I would love to do that. I, I really, really would. But I think one of the biggest things, and it's sort of a focal point this year, is I would love to get in contact. I'd love to reach out to say like Crofty, to Scaife, like to any of those guys. Can I just come be an intern? I, I will pay yeah. my own way. I do not care what it takes. I just want to come and be a fly on the wall, um, and just learn what you guys are researching, learn how you guys are talking in pre-prod. What, what does it take? How much, you know, what are you guys doing to make you guys that standard? Because it, it would be a dream come true it, it it's a dream that for me is probably 10 years in the making um because i i consider everything that i've done from the esports world to be incredibly important to who i am as a person and who i am as a commentator um but i just i find a hard way for me who i am to be able to tick all of those boxes off and and survive and i think one of the things that doesn't get discussed is is you know neurodivergence um i think a, one of the big issues that i have within that is my ability to stay on topic and, and work hard enough and that's something i've got to solve and i'm hopefully i've, I've got, actually got my appointment to be diagnosed hopefully tomorrow which you know we'll have fingers crossed and to see what goes on within that space but burnout is a big it's a bigger problem for me than than it is for most other people um and yeah. that's something i've had to manage manage my entire adult life without knowing what i'm managing um 
so dude that's <sighs> if i yeah. could sit here and say you know we, we perfect world yes would, would i do this full-time absolutely there would be but there's so much nuance to that that i, I just think it's it's un I, I would not take it on without having a backup um and my current job would work with that i've already had discussions about that if that was to be a thing yes that would work but yeah it's 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 a very difficult bridge to cross yeah and i mean the reality is we're probably we're not there yet but um you know you certainly hear about uh broadcasters and such um, particularly in europe and things like that 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 are having that level of um, sustainability for employees or sure or but the business model themselves the biggest thing for those sorts of people is look at look at the population densities um and and if, yeah. if i'm if i'm sitting in eastern france and i'm commentating i can cover spain all the way through to russia right and there are so many if, if i'm doing that time slot i can be doing a, a spanish league as i'm waking up you know a spanish league earlier in the afternoon because they've got an earlier time slot I can be doing a French league um, a little bit after that. As soon as the Spanish league goes on, I can flick straight over to a French league. Then I can jump over to a German league. Then I can jump over to an Eastern European league. So for those guys, there is the opportunity to do that. And the population density is there such that they've got the driver quality, that the money and the backing is there. We, we just don't have the numbers. We don't have the financial backing no. for me to be able to do that. If, if I could nail my own personal marketing and create a revenue stream on the side for me like that, and I'm not capable of doing it personally, I'm not capable of doing that without, without some significant changes in the way that I go about things. So I, I, there would be an opportunity for one, maybe two people in Australia to do that, you know, full time. And it's just, I, I, I would rather see that go to somebody else. Like, like Dan Yeaman is actually a really, really good example. I would love to see him and some of his team get paid for the administration duties they do across a number of leagues before I get paid yes yeah so we can't we're not going to be able to count on a, a scott rankin live twitter race update account anytime soon Bro, i mean i'd have to get to the right once i'm at the racetrack <laughs> like the, the biggest problem i have is 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 managing myself uh, to be perfectly honest like you know i'm being very critical of myself here but you know that's it's one of the things that i wanted to do this year was something along those lines i'm i'm not capable of doing it not the schedule i have and and i need so much more relaxation and rebound time than other people do so well like that's we don't need to be a, uh we don't need to be critical of yourself anymore let's talk about a big success that you had recently which was getting to commentate uh was it the thai gt3 league oh in real my god yes <laughs> my <laughs> lord um you mean me fangirling for six hours of commentary a day yes <laughs> how did that all come about mate like that's interesting um you know obviously thailand's it, it's a it's a step out from um you know what you're com like used to with in, in, in here in australia and how does it come about and um you know and then what was that like to work uh with an entirely new team was it just one race weekend no no so we've we've worked on so the partnership got started got kick-started um through there's a, there's a lot of people who will say this name and they'll go, oh man, I hate that you're bringing that name up again. Um, but I, you know, I, I do actually have to say a big thank you to the the guys from 24 seven um, race control and, and broadcasting everything that they were doing because um, John, 
I forget John Hancock. I was just about to say I forget his last name, but I've remembered it. Um, mm-hmm. Set up the relationship, and he was doing the race control for Speed Cafe, and they were going, "We need another commentator. We need comms to make sure that we got this covered." So he set that connection up through Speed Cafe, um, and then once the door was open, I kicked that thing down. Apparently, I I blew the door off its hinges, <laughs> according to the people that I'm talking to. So um yeah that put me in contact with a guy by the name of troy williams um who works at speed cafe and is currently the head of gt4 australia which is really really cool so there's been some some cool opportunities as a, a part of that but um he put me in touch um yeah we, we connected and then the first round of the speed cafe series was the same weekend as the australian grand prix for formula one yeah and I, I get this message from Troy and it's basically, holy cow, we've got Aston Martin head of racing sitting in the, co- in the, in the hotel room watching this race. Oh my God, this is amazing. And he's saying, how is this guy not doing international racing? And I'm just sitting there going, haha, that's a really cool compliment, but he doesn't mean that. He's just saying that to be nice. <laughs> well, that ticked over and then speed cafe had this relationship with the thailand super series where they're being brought on board to do help with the english commentary and they had a couple of english commentators over there they have no idea what racing is they just know english and they they you know american raised thai um descendancy basically so that was how their connection was formed and it just wasn't working for them the racing was boring the english stream was getting no views they brought us on and originally the deal was for us to just do the gt3 stuff and that was it they were going to be covering everything else across the weekend well we did the first gt3 race that's it can you guys come back and can you guys do every every category all all year long you know that's all we want you guys to be doing the whole time sure I mean, what are you going to say no? Million dollar race cars. You're inviting me to talk about million dollar race. I'm not going to say no. Are you out of your mind? So yes, we said yes. Um, <laughs> and that just that relationship just kept growing. Um, yeah, I've now been down to to look at GT4 cars in Australia uh, firsthand. Um, I've met some really really cool people. Um, sat in a McLaren 570S, which was you know. <laughs> you know if i had a bucket list and considered all these things was probably on that bucket list but never thought would actually happen so that got to happen um met some amazing people and we were hopeful that we might get over to bang sen to do the the street course race this year but that's just financially it's just not going to happen so we're targeting to actually go over next year hopefully um and commentate live from thailand which oh boy i'd love to make that happen well if yeah either way it's pretty impressive to get there get there from you know all the like and you have put in a huge effort in terms of iRacing commentary in the last 12 24 months um so you get that type of um it's it's acknowledgement deserved acknowledgement at the end of the day but you know is it is it so there is obviously some ongoing chatter there in the background to continue doing real world commentary uh we're confirmed we'll be doing the commentary for that series again this year um for every okay. every round every race basically so it's it's all locked in it's all confirmed yep yeah well that's you know pretty impressive i would say mate so congratulations on on making it that far but you never know where you know the next opportunity may come from by the sounds of it and and one one thing you're doing incredibly well is networking with a lot of different people so do i 
<laughs> the way that I approach it, I guess it goes back to the commentary thing um, and giving tips and advice to, to people getting into commentary. First and foremost, have fun with it. Because if you're having, yeah. one of the things that I got told very, very early on was smile whilst you're commentating. Even, even if you are having a terrible day, even if it's, you know, people can hear it. Um, talk, talk to, set up a recording thing, Audacity, your own computer has got, you know, recording software on it, right? These days, you've got a phone, record voice clips of yourself, record a five second voice clip of yourself saying the same phrase, smiling, frowning, and with a neutral expression. And you can hear the difference. You absolutely can hear the difference. Um, smile, be, be relaxed, be happy, be enjoying what you're doing, and it'll naturally come across. The experience will happen, but it only happened because I was enjoying myself from the get-go, you know, so. Yeah, that's, it is interesting. Yeah, it, the, it takes, it's obviously a skill, uh, skill learned. You, you need to get in there and you need to probably not, not suffer the embar like embarrassment, but just, you know, take the learnings on that everyone goes through and, and then, and work and build, as you mentioned before, you've got to always look, be, be able to look, look, be, look at yourself back, I think is a, <laughs> it's a good. Be open to criticism. Uh, um, one of, one yeah. of the favorite things I like saying to people about, I have had so many people ask me to teach them oval racing. And one of the first things I've said is be open to criticism. You guys coming from a road racing perspective will teach me things that I'd never considered because I come my, my biggest experiences, my biggest wins and the most amount of time I've spent racing is on oval circuits uh, within the iRacing platform. Nothing will ever beat that just because of the amount of time I've sunk into it. And there are people with 500 I rating that have taught me something, you know, if you aren't open to the people that are around you, some of the biggest enemies and some of the people that I hated the most in life, have taught me the most about myself and about what I can do to improve. And just because I hate them doesn't mean I was not open to receiving criticism from them. They, you know, um, there is, I, I worked a small period of time working for a martial arts billing company of about 18 months. And I learned so much more about personality and what it takes to manage yourself within that company. Ultimately, I wasn't a good fit with the management and, and stuff went on there. But I learned so much from the people that were around me that it was just, you know, e even though the environment was not good, I still had to take things away. And if you can constant every single time you're on a track, every time you take a corner, if you're learning the minutest percent of something, you're always improving. There's always, always focus on the growth, not on the result is, is the biggest thing that I struggled with for a period of time. And it's something I've got to get back to. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, we, there's certainly, a fair bit of opportunity out there now for people to, to start getting involved and, and having a crack at commentary. If I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, leagues out there that would appreciate assistance with that in their broadcast. So, but you, you're quite right that, that, that being, being open to uh, criticism and then, and working out how to um, critique yourself and move forward is, is a big part of it. And, and once you do it a couple of times, as I'm sure you can attest to, you start building in confidence and then, it becomes a less daunting thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and then also knowing when to go, okay, 95% of what this person has said is wrong, but there was a nugget there is, is very, very important. And you, you, you know, just to, to sift that out is, is definitely important, but you know, I think, um, I'm very hard headed at times, but I'm, I'm very good at reviewing what I've done and coming to very, very good objective conclusions about, you know, what I should have done or what I could have done better. So, 
yeah <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm really struggling like i'm struggling uh in terms of the health but uh which is frustrating you have no idea how annoyed i am that i can't commentate tomorrow because again i love it so much and yes it's the coolest series in in australia at the moment and they're going the furthest with what they're doing but i love working with the crew and and that's what that's about and that's i think why i've been so successful yeah yeah getting involved with a good bunch of people it definitely um helps the situation out um because i we we, we keep these to around about an hour these these interviews right. but i can't i can't let you go without first allowing yourself the opportunity to give your own podcast a bit of a plug but also how many podcasts are you now doing <laughs> um so i i want to go back and sit down with the guys from lockdown lads again i've been on a podcast once with them before and to me it's just fun right it's just sitting down it's talking mates it's talking games um like i'm sure i'll be chatting with my video game exploits that i've been doing lately another non non i racing style of things yep. which is which is really really cool i like that aspect about their podcast it's just sitting down and just talking about gaming uh with a with an i racing focus a little bit um so a shout out to the lockdown lads guys they're they're sh i mean they're just cool guys to hang around with um as for my podcast it's called uh you can't park there with three h's on the r um <laughs> you can find us on facebook um there's no podcast this week um we decided to take a break which was again like i said handy because i could not have podcasted yesterday and i probably shouldn't have podcasted tonight but i love talking too much so here i am um yeah so big shout out to summer mazomo for for coming on board with that and it, that that really started out of us just sitting down and talking after vets one night we basically just said oh man we should really start a podcast to really chat about these things oh i really want to start a podcast too oh you do oh hey what are you doing monday night should we just podcast on monday night monday night sounds good yep cool that's a podcast that's how that came together so and it turned out that we both had similar ideas for how we wanted the podcast to happen. And we both wanted to talk about similar topics and it was just really natural. That just all happened of its own accord. So, um, Mez has been so awesome to work with. So I, I can't say a big enough shout out to him because he does everything for that podcast and I just show up. So big shout out to Mez. <laughs> except, except for last night where you didn't show up. Well, we both need to be fair. So I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be a big week for him, I imagine. With uh, you know, it's oh, he's so nervous. Round one of scops, yeah. <laughs> he's, he doesn't say it, but you can because I've been working around him for long enough. Now you can hear it. <laughs> yeah. um, it'd be nervous, nervousness, and a bit of excitement. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, and and you know, I'm sure the guys there, AOG, will put on a pretty good show. And his work ethic, and Dan, the, the, I I cannot one of the people because we, we get to talk about jay kennedy all the time from SimSpeed, but um if, we, if we're moving into the thank yous i i don't think anyone who sim races understands how much work dan yeaman does because he's an admin he's a lead runner he sets up races he designs rule sets he tweaks with things he tinkers with things he does broadcasting he's our broadcaster for the v8 veteran series so everything that we said about jay and him setting up stuff well, Dan's also doing bits and pieces of that as well, um, in, including fighting with a new computer that he put together for the season <laughs> of vets that blew up on night one. Uh, he was not happy about that. Um, that guy does not get enough credit. Um, that guy does not get enough pay. Uh, the fact that he's getting no pay, he should be getting pay um, because he's just an amazing person to be around and he will figure out a way to help you. Um, just 
the, the people that I've met probably over the last couple of weeks are doing podcasting. I want to say big shout out to them. Mike Koroleff in particular, chatting to Mike Koroleff sort of reinvigorated my love for sim racing and for what we do and why we do it. Um, so that was, that was such a good chat. Bo Albert was amazing as well. Um, hearing from someone who suffers from the imposter syndrome, um, as much as I do was, was huge, you know, for someone who's gone to and can sit down on a global sale and say, yes, I am in the top 50 drivers in the world in two different categories. The fact that he still has imposter syndrome says that any of us can suffer from it and that, you know, it, it is what it is and mental health is, is so important to manage. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thankful for the position that we live in really. I'm just thankful for the people I get to talk to, the people I get to talk about and the guys that show up and race every week. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm a fan. I've I've just about ticked off. I know I have ticked off all the episodes so far. I did finish off the the episode with Bo Albert today. It is interesting to hear someone like Bo, who you know is one of the better known Australian sim racers, talk about some of the issues that he's had because you know his success is probably not just limited to track. It's also his YouTube channels. He he's makes a master at being the... upside down too. Yep. What a what a guy. <laughs> So he he's, you know, he, he can, he's successful. I would classify him as successful on many, uh, many different levels, but he doesn't see, as you suggested with his imposter syndrome, he's not seen it that way himself. So it is interesting to hear people talk about that um, and not give themselves the credit that they probably deserve. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's 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 just gonna be such a i'm just man i'm just so thankful like there's just so much that i'm gonna be able to do and be in contact with and and stories i'm gonna get to tell this year man like i if this is probably the last anecdote i give you of the night i i sat on a plane trip home writing down all the people i wanted to talk to and the things i wanted to ask them this year and i filled up seven or eight pages before the lady sitting next to me turned to me and go are you starting a podcast i went i might We'll see how this goes. It's a couple of people I really want to interview and chat together, but like I filled out so many pages and I got the opportunity, the older I've gotten, my dad's really quiet, but my mom's really loud and a little bit in your face. And we had class sometimes, but my dad, I never really talked to my dad growing up um, as much, but the older I've gotten, the more, more and more I've talked to him because he's just such a fountain of information. And dad gave me a whole bunch of tips about commentating and my dad's not done the same amount of hours that I've done commentating. He's not done the same amount of different topics that I've had to talk about. And I took something away from talking with my old man that has really added a, a such a different aspect to my commentary this year that, you know, I, I can't say a big enough of a thank you to my father at the moment. So. Hey, that's awesome. Um, look, yeah, I think we will wrap it up, mate. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you for giving up your time and coming on and having a, a, a chat. And I think it's a, definitely got into some deep, <laughs> deep topics and conversation there. But, um, you know, I think it'll be great. People listen to it and enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, once again, mate, just a huge thank you from me. And, and you come here and, you, and you're not well and you sacrifice your own podcast. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm going to claim that. I'm having fun. Like, like, like I said, if I'm having yeah. fun, I will do it, right? It's just... Uh, yeah yeah i mean obviously this sort of a uh, a voice can't go on on, on a on uh, the the top level australians in broadcasting but i wouldn't have missed this for the world you know it's <laughs> like i'm sick i'm really under the weather um and yeah 
um, I've had to mute my microphone several times to nearly cough up a lung in the background. So yeah, I would I still wouldn't miss this for the world. You know, it's just it's so much fun talking to people about their life, their story, what's going on with them. So, and I don't get to share my own yeah. very often. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, like so I thought it might be interesting to have yourself sit in the other seat for a change. You're usually in this position that I'm in. I think yeah, there's some really really and there's stuff here that we haven't even covered that um is is really really interesting. Um, and that I don't, don't get to share very, very often. So, you know, maybe this, maybe there's an episode too, maybe question mark. No, uh, we'll be back. There's, we'll there's always one again, Dean. Yeah. But there'll always be opportunity for episode two. <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks again, mate. Uh, we'll wrap this up right here, but, uh, look, best of luck with your podcast and, and your upcoming calls. Mate, thank you very Cheers. much. And, and like I've said to everyone, to a big shout out to everyone who does anything in the sim racing community. You have no idea how much it means to me to see this community continue to grow. And yeah, if you've got something positive to say, if you've ever got a question related to commentating, related to neurodivergence, uh, spicy brain or neurospicy are the new terms coming out of it, um, feel free to hit me up. Always, always keen to chat. There was a couple of people who have asked me about it in the last couple of weeks that have led to some really, really light bulb moments for them. So I'm, I'm always happy to try and help out people. Um, anyone that needs something, you know where I am. There you go. All righty, mate. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. And there you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to episode number six of the Sim Racing in Focus podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Scott Rankin. If you'd like to find out some more about the show, you can always head online and look at simracinginfocus.blog website, uh, little bits and pieces of content there, and hopefully a few more uh, articles and stuff hitting that site soon. Um, subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of which will be linked in the show notes. But if you feel so inclined, Give the podcast a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I've seen some people have already met, done that. Thank you so much. Um, definitely love hearing from everybody and and uh, about the show and, and hopefully we'll keep making this more and more entertaining for you and keep chugging along with plenty more interviews along the way. That's everything that we've got for tonight's episode, so it's bye for now.